we are uh, going through this series, Marriage Goals, and we've been talking about Dr. John Epp, who has what's called the Relationship Attachment Model. And he gives five connection points in a relationship, and these uh, things are to be done in ascending order. And it starts with knowing somebody, trusting somebody, relying on somebody, and then committing to them, and then we get to touch. And we've been talking about how our culture has everything upside down. We start at touch, and then we go backwards. But we're reversing that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And today I wanna talk about how to rely on your spouse, how to build a relationship of relying on somebody. And again, we're gonna make this relevant to everybody today. And there are two extremes that comes uh, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to uh, marriage, there are two extremes that I see right now. And the first extreme is this, is that you complete me. There was a certain line in a movie years ago where one character said to a woman who he's trying to woo and he looks into her eyes and says, you complete me. Now, I wanna just say that that sounds really romantic. Maybe some of you, when you watched that movie, you cried when you saw that and you're probably a woman, I'm guessing. If you're a man, please come see me after church. We need to rebuke a few things. But I just wanna say that is a lie of the enemy. Nobody in this world completes you. And if you're single, stop trying to find somebody to completely to complete you. If you're married, stop expecting your spouse to complete you. The only person who can complete you is Jesus Christ. The only person that can give you happiness. And here's what happens when, when uh, that, that sounds, that line sounds really romantic when you're dating. But when you get married and you start facing problems and you figure out this person's not capable of completing me. And I I just wanna talk right now to our our single people directly. And I I wanna say this, that I, I see this lie has creeped into the church and we treat single people differently. And uh, as I'm gonna repeat it ad nauseum, I was one for 34 years. I was a single person for 34 years. And so I, I know what it's like to hear the comments and, and you know, you're next, right? At every wedding you go to. Uh, I heard someone say one time, <clears throat> they were single. They said that there was a group of little old ladies that always told me at every wedding, you're next. And he said, finally, I started telling them that at funerals. (laughs) It stopped. (laughs) And I just want to say, this church is filled with single people who serve God with sexual purity. They serve God with all their heart. There's nothing wrong with them. They are complete in Jesus Christ, and they're just as good as any married person in this room. Come on, can we give our single adults a hand? Let's let them know that we appreciate what they do for the kingdom. 
And Colossians chapter two, verse eight says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. Now, that, that is all the lies that's being told to you about relationships in the world right now. It's, it's philosophy and empty deceit. And he says this, for in him, the whole fullness of deity or the Godhead dwells. In other words, he's saying it's all in Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have it all. Come on, somebody. I'm tempted to start preaching and get off marriage here. But he's saying when you found Jesus, there is no other next best thing or better thing it's not you find Jesus, and, but you need to get married before you really are happy and complete. He's saying, no, you can be happy and complete right now in any state of your life that you're in. When you found Jesus, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And he said, you've been filled in him who is the head and rule of all authority. So I, I just want to encourage our singles right now. Don't put your faith and this is a trap I fall in. Well, when I get married, I'll be happy. And I am happy. But you know what? You can be happy and you can enjoy your life where you're at right now. Because when you have Jesus, you have everything. You have everything that you need. And either we believe that or we don't. And so I'm just, I'm just encouraging our singles today, stop waiting on somebody. And that's how a lot of us get in messes. And, and now I'm just gonna say this. I think we've made an idol, uh, an idol out of relationships. And, and the world is communicating to you, sing people, uh, single people, if you're not in some deep romance, if you're not sexually active, there's no way in the world you could be happy. That is a lie from the pit of hell that you can be happy and fulfilled in Jesus and still be single. And I wanna remind all of us married people I want to remind all of us married people, every time you pray, you pray to a single man who lived this life completely single for 33 years and who was completely whole. Amen. Now, to, is that all right? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift to the married folk, all right? And I want to say this, the more you turn to Jesus to meet your deepest needs, the more capable you will be to meet your spouse's deepest needs. And we have to realize my connection to Christ is what makes a successful marriage possible. I cannot meet Danielle's needs if I am not in a healthy place with Christ. And so my connection to Christ, depending on him to meet my needs, not depending on her to meet my deepest needs, but depending on Jesus to meet my deepest needs enables me to serve her. And so that there's this extreme of, of you complete me. And, and it's almost like we make an idol out of our spouse. And, and let me just tell you that is setting them up to fail. Because right. nobody can do what Jesus does like Jesus. Right. And some of us that we, we go around from relationship to relationship, maybe we need to step back and say, I'm expecting too much out of people. I'm expecting too much out of relationships. You know, I, th I think of the woman at the well in John chapter four, and actually Bishop alluded to this in his prayer, that Jesus met this woman at the well, and, and she had been uh, with 
five men and the, the person she was with was her sixth. And she kept going to that well, trying to find happiness, trying to find contentment. And there's no person, there's no relationship. You're not gonna find it. If you enter marriage spiritually and healthy, that person's not gonna make you healthy. You have to go to the well of Jesus Christ. And when you have a drink of that well, that living water, that is the only thing that can make you whole. Has anybody found that water today? Is anybody happy that you know Jesus today? So that, that's one extreme. The other extreme is this, is that I don't need anybody. And here's the thing, the longer we're married, the longer we... Uh, the, the more there is a tendency to drift into this extreme as I'm gonna rely upon myself. And singles, I, I wanna tell you that you can't rely on somebody before you know them and trust them. Remember last week, we talked about the danger zone. What's the danger zone? The danger zone is when I start trusting people I don't know. When I start relying on people I can't trust. And we've gotta go through this process. Singles, do not rely on people you can't trust. Do not rely on people who that you cannot count on. And here's what we have to be careful. And I'm gonna be talking about this today is that we have to be careful about making life-changing decisions when we're emotional. Because the devil will play on our emotions. We have to be careful about getting into relationships when we're emotional. We have to be careful about getting out of relationships when we're emotional. And so how, how can we know whether we can count on somebody? I'm, I'm talking to the singles right now. How can you know in, in a dating relationship whether you can count on somebody? And here, here's a test. Do you always have to do what they wanna do? Is everything about them? Do you have to always go to their family? Do you have to always go to their friends' parties? Do you have to always go to what they want to do? And, and if the answer to that question is yes, you need to get out. hit eject. You need to be like the Von Trapp kids in The Sound of Music. So long, farewell, it's time to say goodnight. And just walk away. Because that person's a narcissist. And remember what we said, the ceiling in your relationship is dating. You're both putting your best face out there and whatever issues are in that relationship during dating, they're probably going to get worse. And if they are a narcissist while you're dating, it's not gonna get married after, it's not gonna get better after you get married. And so here's what we wanna do, is that we wanna sift out people we can't rely on. We wanna sift out people who cannot keep their word. Because that is a recipe for disaster. And for all the married people out there, we wanna be careful and we wanna guard against this tendency to drift apart the longer we're married. The longer we're married, we don't rely on each other like we used to. And the tendency is that we start to build separate lives and we've gotta to stay together. And every week we've been talking about a law of relationships. In Genesis 2.24, we find these, these laws of marriage. And Genesis 2, 24 says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. That is what the law of priority. We leave 
our previous commitments when we enter into a new commitment and that person, our husband, our wife becomes our priority. And it says, and we uh, hold fast to our spouse, that we pursue them. We talked about that last week. We make them our covenant commitment. And then this week, we find the third law, and he says, they shall become one flesh. And today, I wanna talk about the law of partnership. Marriage is about partnership. Marriage is about putting aside my agenda and I come together with somebody else and we have our agenda. We have our vision. Two people become one flesh in marriage. That is the law of partnership. And I wanna say this, distance is where Satan likes to work in marriage. Distance is where Satan likes to work in relationships. The further we get apart, the, the, we're not as close as we used to. We don't talk as much as we used to. That's where the devil likes to work. That's where the devil likes to sow division and chaos. And in marriage, you will always make decisions better together than apart. We've got to stay together, not only physically. We've got to stay together uh, spiritually in every way. We've got to stay together, and it takes work. Did you know that? Somebody posted the other day uh, on Facebook. They said one of the greatest miracles of Jesus was that he had 12 friends in his 30s. And just wait. When you turn 30 and 40, guys, that'll be really funny. But... That illustrates that the older you get, the more difficult it is and the more intentional you have to be with relationships. And the same thing is in marriage, that we can get busy with all the kids' activities and everything that's going on and we start to drift apart. And I want you to pay attention right now, especially single people, but marriage is a complete union in which all things previously owned and managed individually are now owned and managed jointly. It's no longer your fill in the blank, it's now our table, our whatever it is, car, our boat, our, I don't know, musical chair, whatever. (laughs) It's no longer yours, there are no exceptions. Anything in marriage that is not willfully submitted to the ownership of the other person is held and outside of that union will produce jealousy. In other words, everything that you have becomes theirs and vice versa. Now, I just wanna stop right now. All you single people, you hear that and you say, I will never do that. That sounds horrible. That sounds like prison. Can can I please make a request? Please do not get married. Do not get married because it's impossible to have a successful marriage and not realize that. It is impossible to have a successful relationship in marriage and not surrender your rights. That just comes with the territory. And so the, the law of partnership is absolute in marriage and we must share everything as equals. And the number one enemy to the law of partnership is this, dominance. Remember, we talked about somebody that tries to dominate you while you're dating, someone that tries to dominate your time, and you have to do everything they want to do, and you have to, uh, there's no compromise, there's no let's talk about it, run. 
Why? Because that goes against the law of partnership. It's no longer me. It's no longer mine. It's ours. It's our money. It's our time. Everything is about partnership. And so as human beings, we're created to relate to our spouses as equals. And, and control is the way that we end up breaking this law. When, we, when one person tries to control everything and tries to control and manipulate, that's where we get into problems. And so a successful marriage is guided by both spouses coming and growing together. How many married people out there do you wanna grow together? You don't wanna grow apart, but we wanna grow together. We wanna get old together. We wanna live life together. And the enemy is this. The enemy's business is tearing people apart. The enemy wants to tear churches apart. The enemy wants to tear nations apart. And the, the enemy wants to tear homes apart. And I wanna give us three points today of how we honor the law of partnership how we stay together. And number one is this. Our emotions are not, uh, I'm sorry, that we are, our decisions are not guided by emotions. Our decisions are not guided by emotions. And, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but so many times I, I see people get divorced over non-serious things. And the Bible gives us, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here, the Bible gives us some exceptions for divorce is allowable, and specifically adultery, abandonment, abuse, those types of things. But I see a lot of people, remember we talked about last week, things like, well, I just hate the way he eats popcorn. I don't like the way she uses her turn signal. And, and here's what the Bible says. It says it's what? The little foxes that destroy the vine. That's why we gotta guard against our emotions when we say things when we're emotional. When, when, when something happens that angers us, when something happens that triggers us and we let things get out of control before we step back and we say, you know what, we're not gonna make any more decisions why we're both emotional, why we're both angry. And feelings, here's where we have to be careful, feelings are unpredictable. How many can be in a good mood one day and then the next day, everything's horrible. It's the end of the world. I don't know if I can make it today. I, I know I'm a little bit like that. And that's why we cannot trust our feelings. We have to have a, a deeper trust in our relationship than how we're feeling today. And, and feelings are often wrong. How many has ever had some feelings towards somebody and then you got to know them or you got to know the circumstance that was going on and, and your feelings were completely wrong. Your feelings were way, way off. And that's why we have to be careful about making decisions in our marriage when we're emotional. And, and uh, Satan has access to our emotions. Did you know that? Satan works in our emotions. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 says, what, be angry? And do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And see what he says next. And give no opportunity to the devil. How do I give opportunity to the devil? When I'm an emotional wreck, 
when I'm angry and I let my anger overtake my rational thinking and I let my anger overtake my trust that I've had with somebody for years and in one moment, I make a rash decision that affects the relationship forever. That's why when he says, be angry and do not sin. The devil will try to capitalize on our fear and our anger every time. He'll try to get you to quit church out of fear and anger. He'll try to get you to walk out on your family out of fear and anger. But today we're going to take captive, the Bible, the Word of God says, take every thought captive in the name of Jesus. And we're going to step back and say, not today, devil. I'm not going to let my emotions rule this decision. And so uh, this is so powerful. I want you to listen to this. God does not bless our emotions. God does not judge us on our emotions. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. If God judged us on our emotions, there would be a lot of convicted murderers in this place. You know what God blesses and what God judges? Our actions. And so that, that's why maybe we're in that intense discussion with our spouse and we say, you know what? Let's take a six hour break. You go to Starbucks, you go get that latte. And I'll go get that Dr. Pepper from McDonald's. Amen? And let's come back and talk about it. I know we're not running and jumping and shouting today, but I want to tell you, this will save your marriage. This will save you from the enemy attacking you. And I want you to see this. A sign of spiritual maturity is that I am no longer a slave to my emotions. A sign of spiritual maturity is that I am no longer doing everything my emotions tell me to do. My emotions will say, well, this is over. My emotions will tell me, well, it's just time to leave this, this marriage. And a sign of spiritual maturity is, you know what? They're mad right now and I'm just gonna let them be mad. And I'm gonna, we're gonna take a break. And I trust them enough that if we talk through this, everything's gonna be okay. And I wanna say this right now, there's, there's a lot of talk out there about triggers. Well, they triggered me. They said a word and it triggered me. And, and it's being used as a cover, like, you know, right now you can kill somebody and it's okay if they honked at you in traffic, right? Because they trigger you. I am responsible for my triggers. You are not responsible for my triggers. If you say something that makes me mad, that doesn't mean I'm obligated to say something back. That doesn't mean I'm obligated to respond accordingly. Spiritual maturity is when somebody triggers me, I fall under the power of the Holy Spirit and he helps me to respond accordingly. Come on, somebody. Somebody give those triggers to God right now. So I wanna give you four pre-decisions to make in marriage. Three, uh, 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 four pre-decisions to make a marriage. Number one, we are married for life and divorce is not on the table. Again, this goes against everything culture tells us right now. You have to have a determined mindset. Divorce is not on the table for us. Now, I just wanna say this uh, to, to everyone that's in here that's been affected by divorce. There's lots of good people in this room who have had divorce in their background. And like I said to singles, 
uh, you love God, and I, I'm not, what I'm about to say, I'm not targeting you, okay? But in, in marriage, you need to be very, very careful that you're not close to people who believe in easy divorce. You need to be careful that you don't hang around people who value divorce, who think that marriage is just disposable. And, and again, there's a lot of people in this room, you've been the victim of a lot of bad situations in divorce and we have sympathy for you and we support you in Jesus' name, come on. And I wanna say this, there's, there's people in the room that maybe you were the reason why the, the marriage failed and you know what, there's hope in Jesus that uh, how many is glad that God doesn't leave our past unfinished, that God can heal wounds from the past and God can make us better and we support you too. But here's what I'm saying. We, we, we wanna be careful to guard ourselves against voices that just says, well, you just need to do this without trying every option. We need to guard against any voice and here's what a determined mindset takes. It's hard work. Marriage is hard work. And again, if you're single and like you don't like to put a lot of work into relationships, do us all a favor, don't, do not get married. And there's nothing wrong with that. Live your life and be the person God wants you to be. But a successful marriage takes hard work and a determined mindset. So the first mindset we're gonna, the pre-mindset we're gonna have is divorce is not an option. Number two, we will not go to bed angry. We will not let things fester and stew and things just sit there and not deal with it. We will talk about things and resolve things. We will talk about our feelings. Uh, next, the third thing is that we will be sexually faithful to one another. Come on, in, in a society that no longer values uh, this sexual fidelity, we will remain sexually faithful to one another. Amen. We will not open ourselves to spirits that come into our house that drive us apart. We will stay together. As the word of God says, we are not gonna let a hint of sexual immorality in our relationship. Come on, is there anybody out there determined to protect your marriage? And number four, we will make decisions together and not try to manipulate each other. And here's an important point. A lot of people manipulate through emotions. Okay, I'll, I'll do it, but I'm gonna be mad for the next week. And so what that does is that forces your spouse, they just stop having conversations. Okay, we'll, we'll go and we'll do what you wanna do, but I'm gonna pout for the next two days. I wanna tell you, that's the way the enemy can destroy a marriage. It's the way, do not use emotions as a way to manipulate or have power over your spouse. Number two, the purpose of our lives is connected and mutually respected. The second thing we wanna do to stay together is that we wanna have the purpose of our life connected and mutually respected. In Genesis 1:27, he made Adam and Eve and he declared this. He said, so God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens 
and over every living thing that moves on this earth. And what God is saying here is this, is that your marriage, Adam and Eve, I created the both of you to work together. Notice he didn't just address Adam here. He said the both of you, you have a purpose together. And I wanna tell you, every married couple here today, your purpose together is this. The two common purposes you have as a husband and wife is to raise godly children and to expand the kingdom of God. To raise godly children and to expand the kingdom of God. That is your core purpose together. Your core purpose together isn't to climb the corporate ladder. Your core uh, core purpose together is not to get a nicer, bigger house. Your uh, litmus test for a successful marriage is to raise godly children and to expand the kingdom together. And I, I just wanna say this. The most important thing married folks, as you put those kids to bed, ask the question, are we raising them to be godly? Last night I was putting George to bed and he said, Daddy, what's it mean to speak in tongues? How do you explain that to a four-year-old? And I think somebody's been whispering in his ear. But how many knows there's a lot of tougher discussions you can have with a four-year-old? And I want them talking about the things of God when they're little. I want to train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Come on, somebody. And and, and here's what we here's what you gotta realize. Maybe 20 years ago your four-year-old wasn't up for grabs. It's up for he's up for grabs now. The world wants him. This culture wants him or her. And we've got to start early. We've got to get them into the house of God. One of the core tests of marriage is this, getting to the house of God. And I just want to encourage our men out there. I said last week, you know, our men, we are the chief servants. Let's not wait on our wives to get the kids dressed and get them to church. Let's get everybody ready ourselves. Let's let's have leadership in getting them to God's house together. Come on. Does anybody want to have that resolve to raise your kids in the house of God? So our two common purposes to raise godly children and to expand the kingdom of God together. And that's why giving is so important. Giving of our time, giving financially, giving our energy to the kingdom of God. And I know that when Danielle and I feel most fulfilled together as a couple is when we're working together to expand the kingdom of God. When we leave this place on Sunday and we both have been working in different capacities to expand the kingdom of God, that is when our marriage feels the most healthy. And I wanna challenge our married folk out there let's expand the kingdom of God together and let's not expect our wife to be the spiritual leader, to do all the spiritual grunt work. You stand up and you take dominion over your household. You stand up and rebuke every spirit in the name of Jesus that's coming against your kids. You grab your wife and lay hands on her and say no weapon formed against us will prosper. Come on, is anybody feeling that today? Come on, we're gonna work together. 
The third point I want to give us is this, is that we are growing closer to Jesus together. When we drift apart from Jesus, it's inevitable we'll drift apart from each other. And I want to repeat something I've said every week of this series. Jesus is my one. Danielle is my two. My kids are my three. But I cannot love her and I cannot serve her if Jesus is not my one. There will be things that fill the void. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And often we stop there, but I want you to see what he says next, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And here's what Paul is saying here. Marriage is not to make me happy, it's to make me holy. Marriage isn't about you complete me. It's about he completes me and he's using you in my life for that process. I just wanna say something very direct right now, but there's an attack of the enemy right now against our homes. And it starts when Jesus stops being our number one. We have got to grow closer to Jesus together. We have got to be intentional about praying together. We've got to be intentional about talking about Him together. And there's this trend right now I see where people, you go to your corner and read your Bible, I go to my corner and read my Bible, and our life with Christ just becomes individualized. But here's how God saves us. He saves us through community and specifically through our marriage. God makes us holy through our marriage. God delivers us from selfishness through marriage. God delivers us from idolatry through marriage. God delivers us of our past through marriage. God delivers me of anything that's tried to raise up and tries to be controlling and dominant through marriage. And I wonder if we could stand up all over this place right now and if we could with lifted hands say, God, make me holy. God, use our marriage to draw us closer to you today. God, use our union, Lord, to raise godly children Lord, that the next generation will know you, God. Lord, use our marriage, oh Lord, to expand the kingdom of God. And I'm, I'm gonna just say right now, married people, we need you to be involved in the kingdom of God. Don't check out on us. Don't forget about the kingdom. Don't forget to put the kingdom first because that is what will keep our marriages.